Hey, welcome back to So Worth It. Today I have with me Michelle Vroom. So yeah, you heard that right. Her last name is Vroom and I think that is the coolest last name ever. Like Vroom Vroom. I don't know. It just sounds like if your last name is Vroom, you have got to be someone that just gets stuff done. Am I right? Well, Michelle is a business coach and she has over 15 years of marketing and PR experience. So she's worked with nonprofit, nonprofits, agencies, and big corporations. And she's here today to actually share with us some tips or some secrets around limiting beliefs that might be holding you back from finding clients, making more money, and growing your business. And the reason she's here to share these tips is because her purpose is really to help women, especially entrepreneurs, grow and make six figures, become the breadwinners in their family or become the provider in whatever way that that means. So I'm so excited to share with you this interview. Sit back, relax, and enjoy what Michelle has to share. This is the So Worth It podcast, a place where we're talking about growing a business while raising a family, not to mention all of the crazy, fun, and hard stuff that comes with it. I'm sure I don't have to tell you, none of it's easy, but it is so worth it. If that sounds like your sort of thing, stick around. I'm your host, Jackie Ellis. Welcome to the show. All right, Michelle, I am so happy to have you on So Worth It today. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jackie. I'm excited to dive in. Yeah, we're going to talk about so much good stuff. I can't wait. We were kind of talking about it a little bit before we hit record. And I'm so excited to learn the tips that you're going to, or the secrets that you're going to share with us today. But before we get into that, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and what it is that you do and maybe even how you got here? Yeah, absolutely. So I am a business coach who helps other women sign more clients, make more money in their business. Um, I help clients, you know, do anything from signing their first 10K, making their first 10K all the way up to six figures and beyond. Obviously, there are different things you need to do at at each point, um, but I love supporting clients and getting to their first six figures. I think it's really ultimately when you feel like a provider, right? I mean, that's my big mission is helping every single woman in business become the provider in whatever way that looks for herself and for her family. Yeah, I it's it's something that I'm really really passionate about and so it kind of drives everything else. And so how I got started is simple, I guess, and and complicated. Um <laughs> in the sense that I started my business almost 7 years ago when I had my first child. So I have three boys at home. And when I had my first child, you know, I was still working in corporate I was the breadwinner of the family, um, you know, commuting in and out of the city. We live in a suburb of Philadelphia and everything changed when I had him. I had always had like an inkling of wanting to do my own thing and be a freelancer, but I thought that's years down the line, like when I'm in my fifties and the kids are grown or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I had like this perspective of when it would happen and it definitely wasn't right in that moment. And so I had him, went on maternity leave for four months. And during maternity leave, I just, I I hustled. I will use the word hustle because that's what I did to get some clients and really start to kind of get this off the ground. You know, I had a lot of family and friends coming to me like, 
saying, can you help with social media? Like a lot of small businesses. And I saw a need there for support with social media and marketing and thought, well, gosh, if all these people are coming to me, like, do I really want to pass this up or do I want to go with it? And so I went back to work for a month and then I left Mm -hmm. and started my own business. (laughs) You know, again, moving from being the breadwinner to starting my own business um, was a lot. It was a big financial sacrifice for our family. I actually recently had my husband on my podcast to talk about like his reaction during that time and and all of that. But, um, (laughs) you know, I just didn't want to look back with regrets and wonder what if. And so I started a business with a six month old at home because why not? Right. And now here I am seven years later, multiple six figures. I mean, at this point I've made total since 2018, a million dollars in my business. Um, and I have three boys. I added two more boys to the mix since then. And (laughs) I can tell you that like my entire life has changed as a result of it. It doesn't mean that it was easy. It's been very challenging in so many ways. Um, and I think it's important to normalize that because a lot of people don't, and therefore they don't have the right expectations when they come into business, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. Just the freedom that we have, um, Mm -hmm. you know, to be a mom, I I wrote a post about this a while ago and people loved it because I think it's so true. It's like being a mom in yoga pants, you know, never missing a drop-off or a pickup, a school drop-off or pickup and still being able to make multiple six figures. Like that's incredible. It really is incredible. And I feel so fortunate for that. Yeah. I love this. I love hearing like the origin story to business because especially from moms, because I think that, I mean, even though I'm a mom and I started my business when my kids were young too, I still kind of expect to hear people like had kids after they started and had a perfect business or something like that, you know, but like to hear that you're in, in the mix, like you had what a five or six month old or something. Yeah. I've never not had a child with me since running. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty incredible. I mean, if we started it it before the kids, like it would be easier in some ways, but I wouldn't have started when I did. Right. Right. And that's very similar to why I started my business too. I was actually coming up against Christmas break and I was like, Mm. I'm tired of finding babysitters Mm -hmm. while my kids are, you know, going on break so that I can work and they can be home. Like what a waste of our life. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, that was kind of the the catalyst um, for me too, to, to make that change. Okay. So just out of curiosity, when you were you know, working your nine to five when you're in corporate, was it related to what you're doing? Were you in marketing? I'm in, I've always been in marketing and public relations. I was doing it for a global health insurance company. Prior to that, I was working for a, an agency that was, did PR public relations for um, pharmaceutical companies. And then prior to that, fresh out of college, I worked for a nonprofit. It was actually a nonprofit nonprofit that supports women with breast cancer, which was so powerful. Um, And so, yeah, I've always been in marketing and public relations. Now, when I was first in the nonprofit, I remember when Twitter came out, when people were just (laughs) starting to use Facebook and businesses hadn't even had blogs yet. I actually started the nonprofit blog and like got those things, got their social media off the ground. So a lot has changed, right? Mm -hmm. I'm dating myself, I guess a little bit, but a lot has changed. (laughs) But I've, I've worked in so many different industries doing marketing that I just, I know a lot about it at the same time though, being a business owner and doing it for yourself while also supporting clients and doing it is a totally different animal. Mm-hmm. I also didn't have a lot of sales experience. I mean, I guess public relations, you have to sell your story to the media, essentially not sell like from a monetary exchange, but like pitch it, like get them right. interested. So you are selling something. So I don't know if it's that I didn't have necessarily sales experience, but doing it for myself was again, very challenging. So there were a lot of skills that 
I needed to learn even as a marketer. And I want people to hear that because I think mm. we come in expecting like we, we should be perfect at everything. Everything should just come naturally with business when it comes to marketing and selling and putting ourselves out there. Of course it doesn't. And if this is a marketer telling you that, like, yeah, that's exactly what I was feel better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What I was thinking, like, if you're listening to this, hear yes. Michelle say this, oh she's a marketer <laughs> and she still had to learn about how to market herself. So, yeah. Okay. So you have some incredible information to share with us today about overcoming limiting beliefs about finding clients and getting visible and growing your business. Right. Yeah. So let's dig in. Okay. In my opinion, from serving hundreds of women in the last seven years, I think there are five beliefs that get in the way of us either signing clients for the first time or just simply making more money. And I might, I mean, there's more than this list that I'm going to give, but I think these tend to be the hard hitters and I I'll go through the list and share them and then kind of explain like how this shows up for people. Because I really think that if you don't address these or, or don't have awareness about these and how they're showing up in your marketing and selling, it's going to be so much harder for you to make more money and to become that, that provider that I talked about at the beginning. And so here's the list here. Here's what I have come up with based on what I've seen in my own business, by the way, and with my clients. So for a lot of women, it's my offer isn't good enough. And it doesn't even have to be a brand new offer, by the way, like when you're just starting your business, as you grow in business, there's going to be new offers. There's going to be new things that you put out there. And so anytime you're offering something new, it's like my offer isn't good enough. And by the way, if you're a service provider and you are your offer, essentially, like you're either the one doing the work or coaching clients through it, it can be very easy to associate your self-worth and value with your offer. So when we say our offer isn't good enough, I think what we're really saying is I'm not good enough. Side oh note. my gosh, that is huge. That is so powerful. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't have time to market and get clients. I think time is a big thing. I mean, especially speaking to the moms. And I know I've gone through different levels of this and different phases of business. There's a lot of guilt, I think, wrapped up in that too. Mm -hmm. And when you take time for your business and, and what that looks like, I can't deliver the outcome that my clients want, or I'm nervous about making a promise that I can't deliver on. I mean, we're all, I would assume women of integrity, right? And that, that rings true. That was a big one for me. I don't know where to find clients. And what I think we mean by that is I don't know where to find people who will pay <laughs> certain prices. Like, I don't mm -hmm. think we're saying, I don't know where to find clients in general. It's, I don't know where to find clients who are going to pay me what I want them to pay me. Right. And then I'm bad at marketing. I hear this all the time. I'm bad at marketing. I don't know how to market. I'm bad at it. I think people say that about sales too, but mm -hmm. I, of course, in my line of work, hear it all the time when it comes to, I don't know how to market. I'm bad at marketing. Like that's just a story that they've adopted, right? And so those are the core um, kind of, I'll call them lies, right? Or, or beliefs that we have that I think hold us back substantially, not just from taking action, but from setting bigger goals when it comes to growing your business, um, when it comes to landing clients. And I think these are the things that are standing in the way of women making more money and providing for their families in the way that they want. I think this is really good that you've laid these out because- I think everyone in business sometimes feels stuck or doesn't know what to do in order to grow, what to focus on, why why can't I achieve X, right? Mm -hmm. And when you lay it out like this, it's like, oh, <laughs> well, I actually have been believing some of these things all along that I didn't realize are holding me back. Because if you say something like, I'm bad at marketing, 
what, what are you doing? First of all, are you realizing that you're saying that? And, and what are you doing to fix that? You know, do you just throw your hands up in the air and say, I'm bad at it. So I just won't do it. Or are you looking for solutions to learn how to be a better marketer? I mean, if you say you're bad at something, I think it's very hard to look for solutions or to feel motivated to even look for solutions. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's kind of like you've given up already. Yeah. 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 That's exactly. Yeah. It's a fact, right? Right. Right. Yeah. So I think that just, just knowing these things, like identifying the things that you are thinking is a great first step. And identifying them as thoughts, because it wasn't until I started a business that I understood that you could choose to think different thoughts. I was always someone who was a victim to my thoughts. Like, it's like, if I thought it, then it must be true. And so this really challenged me to be like, well, wait a second, what actually is true? Like, are you really bad at marketing? If marketing is just relationship building, I'm going to, I guess I'm going to jump into that one first, <laughs> even though it's not in the order, but if marketing <laughs> is relationship building, right? I mean, everybody's mm-hmm. built relationships with somebody. Are you really bad at it? Like, it's like challenging these things because otherwise you've accepted them. And then mm-hmm. what are you going to do about it? You're not going to feel motivated to make any sort of change. Right. Oh, that's so good. That is so good. Okay. So we've, we've acknowledged that we're having these thoughts. So now what the heck do we do about it? Yeah. So I think the first step is really looking at, again, what is true, what isn't. So my offer isn't good enough. And I'll, I'll, people will say this to me and I'll ask this question. Well, what does that mean? What, what is good? What is your definition of good enough? Mm. Right. Because everybody has a different definition of that. And so, I mean, when you ask that question, there may be different things that come up for you. I know that for some of my clients, it's, well, my offer isn't, you know, the right price or it's not, you know, the right structure or enough time, or they start like going deeper into the features. And what that tells me is, is that they think that those features are what's most important and the defining factor in whether someone buys or not. Mm -hmm. And they're actually not right. It's, is the outcome something that they want that your people want? That's what people care about, like whatever the future transformation is going to look like. And so I think getting really clear on what is your definition of good enough, what expectations are you putting on yourself and your offer, where is your self-worth and and your value getting kind of mixed up in this Mm -hmm. and starting to separate that, right? So defining what good enough means, defining what, okay, I don't have time to market. Well, again, what does that mean? Like market is such a broad term. Like, how are you marketing yourself? What are you (laughs) spending your time on, right? A lot of people I will look at their to-do list and I'm like, none of those things is marketing. It's all busy work. It's all getting ready to get clients. Like I always talk about this concept of you're getting ready to get clients versus actually going out and getting them. And so um, I think it's, it's getting clear about that, right? So for each of these, you can really dig into, well, what does this actually mean? Because I think awareness is important. The second step is what does this mean? I can't deliver for my clients. Okay. Well, what's your expectation of deliver? Where are you taking responsibility versus where is the client's responsibility in all of this? Mm-hmm. And then it's reframing it, right? So once you dig into it, it's like, okay, well, what is your definition of good enough? Once you've established that, it's like, well, okay, where does my offer already meet that criteria, right? Like, how is my offer already good enough? Do I like my definition of good enough or do I want to change that? So kind of reframing it that way would be the, the next step. And then looking for evidence to support whatever that reframe is. So if it's like, my offer is good enough, as is, like there are people out there who want it. I've sold it before, right? If that's your new reframe. And actually I think just the reframe is I, people want it, right? I know they do. 
well, how do you know? The evidence is I've sold it before. There's people who have mm -hmm. asked me about it before, right? And you can start to kind of get your brain on board because our brains want to find evidence. And right now, if you are thinking any of the things that I've just mentioned, you are probably finding a crap ton of evidence to support all of those things, right? Like my offer isn't good enough. Now you're going to remind, remind yourself of all the no's you heard or the time that some, you reached out to somebody to see if they wanted to jump on a sales call and they were like, no, I can't afford it, right? Or I can't mm -hmm. afford to work with you or just gave you all the no's. And that's like playing in your head. So it feels hard to sign clients because you're telling yourself that your offer isn't good enough. So we have to be able to kind of reframe. And that involves digging into these blanket statements that I think all of us in, in business love to make, right? Like how many of us love to make blanket statements? Like I have said, I've lost count of the number of times that I've said to my husband, I'm going to quit my job and just like go like work at Starbucks or I'm going to go like <laughs> these all or nothing statements of just these dramatic, you know, just outbursts really. Mm -hmm. like we all have them, but we can't mm -hmm. run our business and run our marketing based off of them. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Wow. Michelle, I want to ask you, what do you think is the most common of the, of the beliefs that you've shared with us? What do you think is the most common one that, that female business owners are up against? I think the I'm bad at marketing, because I think a lot of people fall in, under that, right? Like yeah. my offer isn't good enough. Well, like you're basically telling yourself, you don't know how to market it, right? I don't know where to find right. my people. I'm bad at marketing. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I think mm -hmm. is really what it comes down to. I hear, okay, so I'm going to show you something that I know your listeners can't see. You can see because we're on video. I put oh. this together the other day. Do you see what it is? When I, uh -huh. when I was um, doing a client, a client like intensive with a bunch of my clients, I have a jar at my desk for, for those who cannot see. None of you can see this, but I have a jar at my desk that has a post-it that is taped to it that says, I don't know. And it's the, I don't know jar. It's like a swear jar. If you say you don't know, right, we're going to put a quarter in it. And the reason I did that is because I think the I'm bad at marketing, like that's where, where the I don't knows come from, right? I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where to find my people. I don't know what I should do with my offer. Like we keep telling ourselves we don't know so often that we believe it, right? Like what is going to be your default? I don't know. And that's when we throw up our hands and it's kind of like, well, I don't know. And we abdicate any form of responsibility in our business. And I think that's what keeps a lot of people really stuck. I, I see that as the most prevalent thing because then everything else comes back to that. Because if you're bad at marketing or you don't know what you're doing when it comes to marketing, what mm. else don't you know what you're doing? You see how it like ripples over and flows over into other areas of your business. I think that's where we start to tell ourselves we don't know how to serve our clients or we don't know how to do this or we don't know how to do that. And we're so fixated on all the things we don't know that we're not taking time to look at all the things that we do know and starting there, right? And celebrating all the, all the wins that we've had. Most of the clients I work with, and I think this is the case for most women in business, do not celebrate anything. It's like oh, they don't even recognize so the hard work, right? Like they don't even celebrate the things that are working. It's just like, oh, but I didn't do that, right? Mm -hmm. They're like poking holes in it constantly. I think it ties back to like this belief of, I don't know. I'm bad at marketing. I think the self, the, the low self-worth and self-value comes into play there too. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm thinking about this. I recently just had an, a conversation with another colleague kind of similar to this, where we were talking about celebration, like celebrating wins and stuff. I personally have a hard time celebrating wins because Me too. I am someone that I, I probably most of us do. I am someone that I'm competitive and competitive with myself. And so there's always a higher bar, right? Yep. And yep. that has served me well in most of my life, I think, except 
I feel like sometimes in business, like they're, you have to celebrate like reaching that bar. You can strive for another, like a higher level, but acknowledging how far you've come, especially, I mean, if there's moms listening to this podcast that own businesses, like raising babies, growing a business, like we're probably celebrating every dang thing our babies do, right? They take their first step. We celebrate. They even we take look a million like pictures. Right. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. look cute. They, they, they look cute you today. Know, They've done nothing else. Yeah. But they look cute. yeah. <laughs> we take a hundred pictures and we celebrate right. and then, right. but we're not celebrating anything that we're accomplishing. And I will tell you, raising babies, raising teenagers, I'm raising teenagers now, hardest thing I've ever done. Business is probably second, but we are smart. We figure things out. If you can figure out how to raise a human being, <laughs> you can definitely figure out how to market. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so that speaking to like celebrating little wins, big wins, just more things I think is so important. And it's funny that that came up because I was just talking about that yesterday. I actually think <clears throat> that's also what gives you the motivation to keep going when mm -hmm. the results are taking a while to show up or you're not seeing what you wanted. Right. Mm-hmm. There's mm -hmm. a period where with marketing and selling, you are planting seeds and we don't know when those are going to sprout. We can't control the how. I think that's something we try to do as a result of, of what I shared, right? As we try to control how it's going to happen and who's going to sign on and when, and mm -hmm. we can't. But when we celebrate the journey, right? The progress, mm -hmm. the small steps, that's what leads to bigger steps. So celebration from my perspective is actually a must and necessary to get to where you want to go. Because yes. it gives you that momentum and carries you through when it feels like the seeds are taking forever to sprout. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I love that you use that analogy. Mm -hmm. I actually use that analogy too with I don't garden, by the way. Like I have like, no, no idea. No, me either. plant seeds out in my backyard. Jackie, I would have no <laughs> idea where to start. <laughs> me either. In fact, that was like one of my 2023 like goals was to hire a gardener because no, not to learn how to garden, but to, Just hire, to hire a gardener. You're smart. I would do the same thing. I would do the same thing. That's funny. I'm like, I don't have time for that. I do want my yard and my garden to look right. nice, but I don't right. have time for that. But thinking about marketing in terms of planting seeds, I think is just a really brilliant way to think about it because it does take time. And it's like, maybe you feel like your marketing isn't working or you're not good at it because you don't see it immediately, yeah. right? But you're always planting seeds. And that is the thing that you can get good at, right? And it eventually, like, it, it will it will blossom. It'll, well, it'll grow. Let me, let me continue with that analogy for a quick minute here. Can you imagine, right? You move into this beautiful house, okay? And you want the landscaping done. And there's mm -hmm. nothing there. There's nothing, no landscaping. It's new construction, let's just say, right? They have nothing in the yard. Would you call in a landscaper or a gardener and have them plant one seed in your front yard for like a little <laughs> itty bitty flower? Like how ridiculous would that be? The flower would sprout and be the yes. only flower that nothing else around True. it. No, what do you do? You, I'm assuming they, they spread all the seeds, right? Again, yeah. I'm, those of you who are gardeners, please do not judge, but they, they put I think a you're right about this, Michelle. Don't worry. I think, I'm I think right. you're right. This is not rocket science, <laughs> but, but they, they put a lot of seeds out there, right? Because yeah. you don't know what's going to sprout and when, and some may not. And da, da, da. like we, when you try to control it, it's as if you just planted that one seed and you're standing over it in your yard every morning, willing it to grow. It would be ridiculous if you did that. Your neighbors yeah. might be like, this oh. person needs to be committed. Like, so what is wrong with them, right? <laughs> Why are we doing that in our business though? We're doing that every day. Yeah. 
That's true. I like that. I'm a visual person. I can picture that one little, one little seed being planted. It's just not enough. Right? Yeah. Like it's not enough. And people do that though, when they put out one post or they put out one email, it's like, where is my client? Where is it? Let's go. You know? Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. This is so good. So Michelle, do you have any resources for the listeners that are tuning in today where they could learn more about this or about you or about marketing? about yes. what it is that you do. Yes. My Facebook group is called Market Like a Boss. And oh, it's about, I love that. Yep, it's all about putting you in control of getting clients. And when you join the group, we actually give you access to a vault of like 20 plus trainings all for free, just marketing and sales trainings to help you and support you right now. Um at the time that we're recording this, we're running a 30 days to new clients challenge. That's something that's going to live on in the group. Um we always have stuff cooking because again my goal and my mission is to put every woman in the role of a provider right to give her access to clients and money and help her feel like she's in control of doing that and market like a boss really is that first initial starting point it's also where you can get a dose of you know my coaching my tough love my my gardening wisdom <laughs> um you know my my humor obviously so, you know, that's the first place that I would recommend for anyone who wants to be in community as well with other women who want to do the same. I think that's really important because then it normalizes, right? All of the things that we talked about today. Mm-hmm. Yes. Excellent. So they can just go to Facebook and look for market like a boss. You can Facebook go to Facebook group. and look for market like a boss. Um, it's facebook.com slash groups slash market like a boss. You will find it if you just search for market like a boss. Um, you can also, of course, friend me on Facebook and the link to join market like a boss is in my profile. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us these amazing tips. I I am going to re-listen to this episode and then I'm going to write down all these limiting beliefs and just be on the lookout for them because I find that sometimes I just don't always realize what I'm thinking, you know, and that's really the first step is, is paying attention and recognizing. Visual catch it faster, beliefs. right? Yes. Like that awareness, yes. it's not that you never have these come up. It's that when they do, you're like, oh, I've seen this before. I can move through it faster. Like that's the goal. I don't want anyone thinking like the goal is to not ever have these thoughts because you will, Right. no matter what level you're at in business. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. As always, you can find show notes, links, and more over at Jackie-Ellis.com. And if we haven't connected yet, make sure you come find me on Instagram at I am Jackie Ellis and shoot me a DM. Let me know what episode you listened to and what you thought. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much for being brave, being amazing, and just being you. I can't wait until next time.